So we're in the second part of our series about the Holy Spirit, and this is the Holy Spirit in us, and next week Jared does Upon Us, really a fun time, but I just want to show of hands how many of you over the holidays got to reconnect with either a friend you haven't seen in a long time, a relative that you don't get together with much, or um, I don't know how you want to label the, in, uh, the relationship, but somebody that isn't frequently in your home. How many of you got to do that, connect? Yeah, many of us. God, isn't that what the holidays do, bring a lot of people together? And that was true in our lives because we flew my mom home from Yuma on December 12th, the day before her 85th birthday, and we had an 85th birthday party for her all weekend. Well, I'd like to say it continued through January 3rd when she got on the plane to go home. And because of that, we just had, my siblings came from around the country. We even had a foster child who was in our home for just months as a young girl come to our home because she wanted to see our mom and connect with her. And we literally hadn't seen her since that time. And she's an adult living here in Portland, of course, um, in, in my age bracket. So at first time we've seen her in 40 plus years. Amazing. Well, I don't know today what your relationship with is with the Holy Spirit. And that's what got me thinking about it was how we reconnect the different kinds of relationships that each one of us have. Some of them are daily relationships. Some of them are intermittent. Some of those are once a year people. Maybe you have some of those on your list. Some of those because of travel and otherwise, maybe even further away than that. And today, each of us have a unique story with the Holy Spirit and our relationship with him. Well, my story started with uh, limited information. When I got saved, I got a, a booklet with eight pages in it, and one page was on the Holy Spirit, and we're talking booklet style, this, this big. And my church, they were wonderful at giving me a foundation and so many things and loving me, but the one thing at that season of their life that was real prominent was that they told me more about what the Holy Spirit didn't do than what he did do. Okay, so that's how I heard about the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, my story didn't have to end there because they introduced me to God's word and I started reading his word and I saw there was a lot more in there than what they were telling me. And I had wonderful mentors in my life who helped me with that. So they helped me grow in my relationship with the Holy Spirit and understand more of who he is. And Jared talked about how it was Jesus who first talked about the Holy Spirit in a personal way. You know, he's in the opening page of the Bible in verse 2 of Genesis. Some of you read that this year as we started the year. It says that he was hovering over the face of the waters when the earth was just being made. The Holy Spirit was already there. Because he is God. And then we have throughout the Old Testament, episodic or periodic um, visitations of the Holy Spirit with different individuals and groups of people. But it wasn't until Jesus was facing his own death on the cross that he introduced us to the Holy Spirit in a very personal way. And this relationship idea really took hold of that he's somebody that we want to relate to on a daily basis. And Jared and I's prayer throughout this series for us as a community, for each of us as individuals, is wherever you're at in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, maybe you're on the very front end, maybe he's been God's stepchild to you that you try to just ignore. Maybe he's been like he was for me at the beginning, a blob or a force. He was a silent partner in my life when I first came to faith with Christ because I didn't I really wasn't fully introduced to him. I don't know where you're at, but our prayer is that you will engage him more. So there's a lot of places we could start, but I'm going to start today by talking about the early church. When the church came to be there in Acts 2, 
And we want to just discover there as Peter stands in Acts 2, 38 and 39 and responds to a crowd's question. He's just preached to thousands of people on what was known as the day of Pentecost. And they ask him the best question you could ever ask at the end of any message or any exploration of God's word. What shall we do? That's what the crowd said. What shall we do? To which Peter responded this way. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. And today, I believe there are some of you out there who need to hear those words. This promise is for you and for your children. You have kids. They're not in the place that you want them with God. The Holy Spirit is alive and well. He's working. This is his promise. He will come to them. He will live in them. You can pray this promise and know you're praying God's will for your kids and for all who are far off. I don't know about you, but I've got people who are far off in my life that I've been praying for. And just that confidence, the Holy Spirit's, he's faithful. He works on them as well. So that's good news for us today. So the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, comes to live in me. When we repent of our sins, when we say, I was going my own way, I agree with you, God, about the way to go, and I'm going to turn, and I'm going to go your way, and you're going to be my boss, my Lord, my guide, my director, whatever word you want to use that indicates he calls the shots. I don't. That's what repentance is all about, turning 180 degrees. That's what Peter was telling them they had to do. And they opened up to the forgiveness of their sins in Jesus Christ. And he sent the gift. He gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us? That's what we're asking. Well, Jared talked last week about Jesus' very personal introduction to his disciples, his apostles, about this Holy Spirit, this helper, this comforter, this paraclete was the Greek word that he used. And he mentioned humorously how he heard that word as a young child to be parakeet, like the bird at his farmhouse in the cage, right? And we all have stories of hearing these words and then imagining them another way. And that prompted our son to give us a text because he, he started playing soccer when he was five years old. And so he got introduced to soccer cleats really early. And he said, when I heard paraclete, I heard pair of cleats. And you know, I know that's an interesting metaphor. I actually think it works kind of for how the Holy Spirit works in us. But the big idea today is that he is the one who comes alongside to help us. And we want to answer the question, so how does he help us as he's living in us? And the Holy Spirit helps us know and experience God. He is nothing less than God himself making all of who God is, his gifts, his fruits, his abilities, his wisdom, his peace, his power available to you and to me. And as we wait for Jesus to return as he's promised to one day. So when we talk about knowing and experiencing God, because that's what we're going to be talking about today, experiencing that through the help of the Holy Spirit, I think about this. This is the picture I have in my mind. You're down at the ocean, and many of you have taken a bucket down to the ocean, and you've filled it with water, right? And most of us have done that to build a sand, help us with building sandcastles. But I want you to imagine you're standing there in that ocean with that bucket, and the ocean is a great metaphor for God in Scripture, his power, his immensity, And it speaks to us when we're standing there in front of it because of that. 
his infiniteness. And that's what it's like getting to know and experience God. I swoop into that with my little bucket of knowing and experiencing in that moment. And yet out there in front of me is this amazing ocean of infinite opportunity to know. Infinite opportunity to experience God. That's the picture that we want you to go home with today. That there's more. That whether you're 15 and you think that there's not much there for you because of your age, which is absolutely not true according to scripture. Or you're 75 and you think retirement's okay in Christ. Absolutely not. The, the promise of the Holy Spirit in our lives is this. There is more. There is an ocean of more out there for us to know and experience of God. And our prayer is that each one of us would go away knowing how can I experience and know more of you this week, God, in my relationship with the Holy Spirit? That's what we want to look at. So in light of that, I want you to know that today is a drop in the bucket. It really is. It's a drop in the bucket. There's no way we could talk about all of it, but it is going to feel like a fire hose. So this is a page turner, folks. You need to take notes. I hope you will so you can explore these scriptures further. It's one of the things that led me on my journey with the Holy Spirit in my life is by keeping track and looking for myself. So we want to talk about how the Holy Spirit helps us know God, helps us know that we're his, know that he lives in us, experiencing his presence, know the truth about him and what he's done for us, and know that there's more to come. Knowing him, knowing that we're more than his. Here's what Paul had to say in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 22. He says this, he, meaning God, has set his seal of ownership on us And put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I love that phrase. He has set his seal of ownership on us. Now in Ephesians, he says this in chapter 1, verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. There's a couple of other references to that in scripture But we want to just ask, so what's the seal deal? What's that all about anyway? Well, the seal was really about two related ideas. You see, a seal was a mark that was put on possessions, stuff, animals, slaves, anything that a person owned. And they would put that mark on in the hopes of preventing theft. So that mark might be left by something like a stamp. It might be put on it with something like this. This is an old one excavated out. And that stamp had two big ideas. It denoted ownership and authority. To have that seal was about ownership and authority. And it came with a promise. Because you see, it wasn't just used for your stuff or your animals or your slaves. It was also used when you went to sign or seal a document. And this wasn't just done by the kings and those in authority, civic authority, though they used them as well. It was by the common man. Everyday people like you and me had these seals. And they could use it on a document. And when you stamped that document, it said... This was done with my permission. This was done with my awareness. And this has my approval. It was an authority and an ownership issue once again. And this is the thing. 
The Holy Spirit is our seal of God's ownership, of God's authority, and of God's protection and promise to us. It says to us, we belong to God. Our future with him is secure. We don't have to live under fear. We don't have to live with uncertainty. We belong to him in even the most intimate way, not just stuff that sits on a shelf that I might seal. We belong to him as his children. Listen to what Paul writes here in Romans 8, verses 14 through 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I love that word. Testify. It means to say it is so. And this word, Daddy, Abba, Father, this intimate relationship. Jared and I have been, as some as you probably have, in a Jewish neighborhood in New York City on the Sabbath. And all the families are walking because they wouldn't drive their vehicles on that day. And, you know, they've got their little kids in tow. And those kids were just like our kids were growing up. If you're walking by the bakery and this... in. In New York, the storefronts are just little teeny things that are numerous in one block. And so we got to hear those kids tugging on dad's hand. Abba, Abba, could we have a bagel? Abba. And it was so fun to just hear that being repeated and the endearing term that it was, the intimacy that it it gave to the feel of Abba, daddy, father. And it is the Holy Spirit, our seal of God's ownership in us that declares to us, makes real to us that we're his kids. Now, Oregon quarterback, Marcus Mariota, okay, you knew it was going to come up, didn't you? But he is from Hawaii, and Hawaii has a wonderful word for this kind of relationship, ohana. I know you've heard it. It's wonderful. It means family, and it forms the social fabric of the islands. It means we love each other. We care for each other. We support each other. We're family together. If you're part of the island peoples, then ohana, you're part of us. But God has spoken the definitive ohana over us with giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are his family. I don't know about you, but have you ever had a relationship that was filled with uncertainty from one day to the next? One day they act like your best friend. The next day there's a distance there. And pretty soon you're really confused and it's really unpleasant. And it kind of reminds me of going steady in the fourth grade. (laughs) Any of you ever do that? I did. It's about as steady, it's about as unsteady as you can imagine, right? Even the idea of what it meant to go steady changed from day to day, as did the boyfriends, I might add. But it was anything but steady. And God doesn't want us to live in that kind of uncertainty. He wants us to be confident in the fact that we're his kids. That doesn't change from day to day. And from day to day, you never have to worry that you belong You belong. The Holy Spirit is his seal of ownership on us. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just help us to know that we belong, that we're his family. But the Holy Spirit helps us to know that God lives in us. Here's what John wrote in his first epistle. 1 John 3 verse 24. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know by the spirit that he gave us. 
Now, the word no can mean a lot of things. We know there's a very experiential one. This word no means to be aware of, to feel, to perceive, to be certain of, to be sure of, to understand. The Holy Spirit helps us to know, to feel, to be certain of, to perceive God's presence. I can remember as a freshman in high school, remember I had this limited understanding of the Holy Spirit and I was hearing all about what he didn't do. And I went to my youth pastor, Randy, and I said, Randy, I just want to know God's real. I want to experience the reality of him in my life. What was I crying out for? A certainty of his presence, that he's with me. That's what this is about, experiencing God's presence, knowing that he's with you and in you. And this makes all the difference, the presence of God in our lives becoming real, because there is a very real enemy of our soul. He's called Satan, he's called the devil, he's called an accuser, and he's called a liar. And he will do anything he can to separate us from Jesus, to distance us in our relationship with God. So my mom was serving as a director of nursing in Kotzebue, Alaska, which is a predominantly Native American town. The Inupiat tribe is there. And the unfortunate thing is a lot of things in their culture warred against them understanding this. They really didn't get what the Holy Spirit was there to do. Because on one day when they drank, God was not with them. And when they didn't drink, they felt that God was with them. And my mom would go along to pick them up at the jail to bring them to church. The guys who were struggling with this. And that's how they would talk. And they worked and worked to help them understand that the Holy Spirit is not like that. He's not checking in and out of our lives. On your very worst day, on your worst behavior, he's still there. Just like you would be for your kids. We're not abandoned. And it is the Holy Spirit who gives us this confidence. And it's such an important confidence. These men struggled with this day after day because they didn't have it yet. Now, the Holy Spirit not only helps us know that God's living in us, but he helps us to know the truth, the truth about who Jesus is and about what we have in Christ, what we've been given. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. I love that. I love that. John 15, verse 26, he says it this way. When the advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. This is the thing. I love that word testify. To say it is so. That means that the Holy Spirit affirms and confirms who Jesus is in our lives. In case you've ever had one of those days where you've had doubts. In case you've ever had that experience of believing something different. He helps us know what the truth really is about Jesus and about what we have in him. And John 16 verse 13, John writes these words. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and he'll tell you what is yet to come. Guide there means the very thing, same thing it does in the Webster, to lead the way. The Holy Spirit leads us on the way to the truth, leads us to the truth. Have you ever needed to distinguish between what was true and what was a lie in your life, 
in a situation you were facing, in a situation you were being shared with, and you're not certain what's really going on in that situation, and you need to understand what's real here and what's not real, that's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. He helps us distinguish the truth from the lie. And in John 8, 44, we're told that there is a father of lies. So he speaks to us just like he did to Adam and Eve. And you know what his favorite lie is. Did God really say? Did God really say? For some reason, the enemy likes to hit right there. You'd think it'd be more subtle, but it does trip us up. Unless we're listening to, engaging with the Holy Spirit, who can identify for that, us, that for us. But the thing is... It's not just the lies that the enemy puts in our lives. We lie to ourselves. It's called self-deception. Every single one of us has done it at some point or another. There's something that we want to believe because we want to do what we want to do. There's a truth that we ignore and we lie by omission, right? And we go ahead with our way. And the Holy Spirit is the one who puts his finger on that and identifies what's really going on in our lives. You see, he identifies when my real motivation for that decision is fear. He puts his finger on that. He identifies when my real motivation behind that behavior that I just did toward that person is selfishness instead of God's love. He identifies in my life what's going on, what the truth is, even when I want to lie to myself. And the thing is, other people lie to us too. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps us distinguish that, who helps us identify that. Ever have a conversation when you're uncertain about what's just been told to you? That's the time. You go and you just say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to get to the truth of this? I mean, parents, you need this with your kids. And the older they get, the more you need it. The Holy Spirit's amazing at giving you that sixth sense to know something's up. Something's not right. Something's not true that's going on here. And investigating that and getting to the heart of it. That's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. It's so amazing. He helps us. And finally, in helping us to know, he helps us to know that there's more to come. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5. Now the one who's fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We read an earlier verse that talked about this guarantee of what is to come as well. So what's that about? Well, it was Skinner's Butte. It was September 10th, many, many years ago when I got this engagement ring. And my husband, then my boyfriend, gave me this ring. And that ring was the promise of a shared future together, physically together, not apart any longer. We weren't living together. We were apart as God designed it to be. And that ring, I could look at that and know there's more to come. Not just a wedding day, but a whole lifetime together. And the Holy Spirit is our promise. It's our ring, if you will. It's our relationship that promises there's coming a day. We're going to be physically present with the Lord. It's not always going to have to be this way. It's not always going to be without sight. Strictly by faith. We're going to see him as he is. If we just thought about that this week, it would change our lives. The Holy Spirit can help us realize that there's more to come. And he's here to help us with that. So he helps us know God in some amazing ways that we're his, that we're his kids, that there doesn't have to be uncertainty in our relationship, that we have him with us and that there's more to come. But he also helps us experience God 
in some very real and tangible ways. Experiencing his love, experiencing his word, his encouragement, and most of all, his power. Let's talk about those for just a minute. The Holy Spirit helps us experience his love. Paul wrote it this way to the church at Rome in Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love is poured out across our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Man, I just have never brought home more than a friend of mine. I was doing a church planters intensive and at the beginning of that event, it's just a, a training event for church planners. We always start it the same way. We let the church planners share their story of how they came to faith in Christ. And one of those was a couple, and the woman got to share her story. She was 30-something at that time, and she grew up in a home with no mention of God, no exposure to church, except one day a neighbor came over and invited her to church and took her to a Sunday school class. And for three weeks... She got to go to Sunday school. And every week, the Sunday school teacher did the same thing in ending the class. They lit a candle. Okay, she was second grade, so, you know, that was pretty special. They lit a candle. They stood in a circle, and they sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. So that's it for three weeks, and then her family moved. And the the rest of her growing up years and into her 20s, she lived her own life. And she made a pretty good mess of things. And she was on one of those dark nights of the soul, one of those places of regret, one of those places of feeling alone, one of those places of feeling that there was nobody for her. And what do you think the Holy Spirit brought to her mind? Those three weeks and that song that she couldn't get out of her head. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The Holy Spirit poured God's love out in her heart at her darkest moment, in what she considered her least worthy moment. And here she is, seven years later, getting ready to plant a church. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in us to help us experience the love of God and then pour it out of our lives to other people. And that brings us to the second thing. He helps us to experience his word in a fresh way. We talked about him leading us into all truth, guiding us to truth. But I'm talking about the God's word in the moment. The word that you need at that time. I'm talking about how the Holy Spirit brings to your mind that scripture that you read two days ago, two months ago, a year ago, five years ago. That you haven't maybe even revisited. There's even a Greek word for this, but it really is irrelevant because the fact is the Holy Spirit does this. He not only speaks in here, but he comes in to our situations, our even most desperate moments, and can speak directly to what we're experiencing in that moment. That's what the Holy Spirit is here to help us do. Here's what John 14 verse 26 says. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. That wasn't just for the apostles. That's for us too. The Holy Spirit reminds us at just the right moment what we read, what we heard, what we've been taught. And it's a powerful thing when he intersects our lives that way. 
Now, for me, one of my more memorable times was I had just quit the school of nursing up at OHSU. It was the middle of my junior year, so I just gave the scholarships up, and I felt like God was calling me to full-time vocational ministry, and I was going to involve myself in a ministries institute. But that was a huge step away. I was called, you know, performing Annie, right? I was an overachieving, performance-oriented girl. And when I stepped away from school and gave up the scholarship and came back to town, that I remember my first night being in the living room of that house. Everybody else had gone to bed. And I felt so alone and thought to myself, what have I done? And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, remember John 15. Everyone that I love, I prune so that they'll bear more fruit. This is going to be a time of pruning for you. And it's going to be good in the long run. But I knew what he's saying. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. I knew part of what he was pruning was my performance orientation. He was going to help me with that. Who else but the Holy Spirit can do that, folks, in your life? There is nobody who can get in any nook or cranny of your life, whether you want him to or not. And he can intercept you with this word. It's so powerful. And that brings us to the Holy Spirit who helps us experience his encouragement. He said, Oh, good. This, maybe this one will be a little lighter. Okay, Acts 9, verse 31. It says this. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. That is a great prayer for us, folks. A great prayer for the Evergreen community. Let that be, Lord. Let that be our story. We lived in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and growing in numbers. That's a powerful thing. That's a great prayer. But I just want to talk about this encouragement that the Holy Spirit helps us to experience. You see, encourage here is translated with a variety of words. One of those is that comfort word that Jared talked about last week, the comforter, the quilt image that many people, you know, oh, that's, you know, that doesn't seem quite exciting enough. However, don't you have moments in your life where you needed something that was a lot like a warm comforter on a cold day wrapped around you. That, that word does mean that, but this word here means so much more. And I want to, to encourage you with this. The word here, encourage, means to call near, to invite, to console someone, to exhort someone, to entreat someone. You know, entreating is like, come on. And so I've put it into my own words. It's a combination of hang in there. You and Jesus can do this to a don't give up. You've come too far to fall short now. God will help you make it to a come on. You're almost to the finish line to a you can do this thing. You're doing amazing. Hooray for you. The Holy Spirit does this with all the intensity of God's love behind it. All the intensity of his love behind it. So I was interviewing, I was meeting with a woman named Dana. She was going to, wanted to serve in children's ministries. And I always started with hearing their story. And Dana told me her story. She had, her first marriage had been one with abuse. And she divorced her abuser, but she had a child. And her and her daughter were living there. And she had already gotten in a relationship with another guy. And this guy was in Seattle. She was just a brand new believer in Christ. Just starting out. But the Holy Spirit was living in her, right? She had accepted him. 
So I just kind of, I set aside any thought of children's ministry and just started talking to her about her life. And I just opened the scriptures and tried to show her God's plan for her. So much better. So much more. Okay, that's Anne entreating and trying to encourage her, right? Not near as good as what happened. Because at the end of our time, there was no movement. She still wanted to go to Seattle, check this out, maybe live with this guy. Because that's what he wanted her to do, is come live with them. They always want their cake and eat it too. So, okay, that's a brief aside of another subject. So she said, she, she said I'm going to go see him. And she did. And the thing is, eight months later, she got baptized back there in Bend. She didn't move in with him. She did not go that route. She came back, lived a life before God, moving ahead with him because the Holy Spirit spoke to her. The Holy Spirit encouraged her. You know, encourage means to give courage. Sometimes you need courage to do hard things. That's what God was asking of her. And that's what she did. She made the right choice. He gave her the power to do that. And that brings us to this final thing. The Holy Spirit helps us experience his power to live a changed life. Wow. We have the ability to become more like Jesus across our entire life. There is no retirement in relationship with God. There is no cruise control. There is no getting stuck where you were when you were 20 or when you were 10 or when you were 40. God has more, remember? He's that ocean out in front of us. Offering so much more. And this is true when it comes to being changed. How many of you have heard that term? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Okay, I hate that phrase. Because that is a lie that's countered everything that God's word says. You can change. You can change. And the enemy wants you to believe that you can't. doesn't matter. Spirit, soul, and body. The opportunity exists. How many of you have heard this? Maybe you've said it. I can't. I've tried so many times and never been able to. It's too late for me. Usually that's related to their age, which is absolutely false as well. It's too late for me. I want to tell you all of those are not true. How does transformation happen in our lives? It happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with an ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit metamorpho, the word we get metamorphosis from to change or transformed used only a few times in the scriptures in the new Testament. We are absolutely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit, if we want to experience the kind of transformation I'm talking about, the kind that counters I can't, the kind that counters I've tried so many times and I've failed, the kind that counters I'm too old and I can't learn a new trick, I can't be changed. This is what the Holy Spirit is here to do to help us with. I love the word for transform, the synonyms, to overhaul, to remake, to reconstruct, to revolutionize, to reshape. Is there something in your life that needs that right now? That might be the very place that you need to engage the Holy Spirit and begin praying with him about that and listening to what he's saying and following where he's leading. This is the thing. Transformation happens as we respond to the spirit of God's leadership in our life. And that means that I have to be aware of him. And then I need to follow 
what he asks and what he directs me to do. You see, you and I do have a part, but it's not the biggest part. It's tough, though. It's tough because we like to be in control. And we're giving control to him. Paul says it this way in Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 16 and 19 through 25. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. The acts of the flesh are obvious in case any of us missed this. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies. And you're saying, could you just stop for now Ann. and the like i think we got the picture all of us have been there all of us have been in that picture if you have trouble believing that today you're going to have trouble calling out to the helper the holy spirit because here's the thing he says this but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and against such things there's no law Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Here's the deal. Tomorrow there's going to be two marching bands on that field in that football game. And those bands are going to be perfectly in step, each band with each other. And that's what will make a harmonious, amazing picture and sound for the crowd that's going to see and is going to listen to them. And that's the picture that Paul's painting here. I got to go to Germany, to Ansbach, Germany, and in a helicopter hangar, see my, my brother-in-law, Benny, be deployed. And they were doing the casing of the colors, and the whole unit marched. And they were all in step with each other. And that meant everybody's right foot went forward at the same time, and everybody's left foot at the same time. And nobody's foot went forward without the leader going forward. And when he stopped, they stopped. And that's the picture Paul's painting here. To be in step with the Holy Spirit. And it's in the middle of that that we experience his power. To do what we never thought we could. To make a change that we thought was impossible. To recover from something we thought was irrecoverable. There's more. There's more. And it all starts... With a relationship with Jesus. Just like we talked about. We want to come back to the beginning again. What did Peter say to the crowd. When they said. That wonderful question. What shall we do. He told them. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent for your sins. And be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you'll receive his forgiveness. And he will give you. The gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the thing. In the New Testament, it's really interesting. Baptism is not separated by a big distance from accepting Christ. They didn't have any 12-week classes offered or anything like that. They didn't even have appointments about it. They had conversations. And I don't know where your story is on baptism. Baptism isn't about the salvation part, but there is a power released in that. It was at Jesus' baptism, which he modeled for us, that the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that can happen for you, what Jared's going to talk about next week. There's more. But we're going to baptize in two weeks here. And if that isn't part of your experience, it can usher in a whole new season in your life. A new confidence in who God's made you and what he's called you to do. And where you're going with him and his ownership over your life. And I encourage you to take that step. But the really big deal is what I mentioned right at the beginning. 
we're back in front of that ocean. And you have your bucket and I have mine. And in that bucket is what you know and what you're experiencing of God right now. But out in front of you, there's a whole ocean. And it's our decision. Will we engage with the Holy Spirit more than that intermittent friend? More than a foster child who was with you for a few weeks and you've only seen him now after years? More than a distant relative? And we answer the question as we look out at that vast ocean of who God is. We answer the question, what shall we do? What shall we do? So my question for you is this. What do you need to do today to engage with the Holy Spirit? Where is he speaking to you? And the band and Jared are coming out. And we're going to sing a song, I Surrender. And it's followed with these wonderful words. I want to know you more. That's what's behind all of this. Jesus, I want to know you more. And I'm going to invite you to sing this. And as you do, would you think about what's the Holy Spirit talking to you about today? Do you need a fresh confidence that you're his? And that that's a secure future for you? Is there something you need to figure out the truth about? Do you need a changed life? And is there an area, a bad habit, something that you've been trying to work on, something that you've given up on that he's speaking to you about? Is today your day to get right with God? You're where the crowd was with Peter. I need to turn to Jesus. Let's consider that with his help as we sing. Mm-hmm.